You're listening to Closer Look. Here's Maria Morgan. Dr. James Dobson, that's a name you've probably heard, especially if you've been a Christian for many years. Dr. Dobson founded the Worldwide Ministry Focus on the Family in 1977. And after leaving there and now in his 80s, he is still offering Bible-based advice on the radio. He calls it Family Talk. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Dobson. It's truly an honor. It's a pleasure to be here. You have quite the legacy, advice and encouragement that's helped millions of families on the radio, Uh, 40 years of broadcasting, more than 30 books. Uh, We know retirement is not in the Bible, but still, what drives you to work when you've certainly earned some rest? Retire, go sit on a beach someplace, uh, sit on the front porch in a rocker. Uh, I have uh, asked myself that question all along, and uh, after 40 years of of broadcasting, I have uh, felt the hand of the Lord in my back saying, don't even think about it. The family is still in trouble. Marriages are still falling apart. Parents frequently have no idea how to deal with their difficult children. There's just so much to do. Why would I, when I have the opportunity to, you know, we're on 1,200 stations, why would I not take advantage of that uh, chance to say some things I believe? You left Focus on the Family in 2003, but you didn't stop. What have you been doing since then? I'm doing the same thing that I've always done, trying to hold families together, trying to make marriages work, trying to help uh, husbands and wives raise their children to be healthy and happy and love the Lord. That is, by the way, job one for all Christian parents is to Make sure that their kids make it to heaven and do everything you can to teach them the truths of Scripture. That's that's a tough assignment. I had a father just last week tell me, man, this is hard <laughs> raising kids. And uh, it is, but it's, uh, it's worth every minute of it. And it's without question the most uh, joyful thing that I've had the privilege of doing is raising a couple of kids to know and serve the Lord and to serve their fellow man. It doesn't get any better than that. One of your best-selling books for marriage is called Love Must Be Tough. You know, that may be my favorite book. It's certainly one of them. And I've had more mail, more comments from people that said, you saved my marriage with that book. It has concepts in it that I haven't found in any other book. You know, when when there's marital conflict, you go to a counselor and he tries to bring you together. What do you do if only one of them wants to go? What do you do if somebody wants out of the relationship? How do you uh, deal with uh, continued infidelity? How do you deal with those situations where you can't talk your way through it? And, And a counselor cannot talk you through it if You don't have two people that basically want to make it work. But Love Must Be Tough is a book that says, this is what you do if you're the one that's trying to hold it together. And how do you approach it? And uh, there are some suggestions there that I think uh, are very helpful. You mentioned infidelity. How can a marriage overcome something like unfaithfulness? Sometimes it has to go to the brink of the loss of the relationship to hold it together. It's really amazing. I have a little illustration in that book. 
uh, hold up two of your, your index fingers, the two together. And if one person uh, wants to get out, move your, your hand to the right, and, and it opens up a gap there. The worst thing the other one can do is chase and grab and hold and beg and plead and uh, allow the infidelity to go on. That'll destroy a marriage quicker than anything. The best thing you can do is to move your hand to the left and pull back and say, you married me because you wanted me. You wanted the relationship. I couldn't have made you marry me for anything if you had not wanted to join me. But now it looks like you've changed your mind about that. And if that's the case, I will have to let you go. That's the last thing I want because I married you because I loved you and I still do. But I can't force you to love me. And if this is the path you have taken and you're sleeping around with somebody else and you're, you don't want to honor the marriage relationship, then you will make that decision. I won't. Uh, when you let go, when you lift the, the cage door on a person, sometimes, not always, because nothing is always, but sometimes that person that's been wanting to get out will get out there a ways and say, is this what I really want? Do I really want to walk away from the woman or the man who has loved me and cared for me? Our children, our relationship, is this? Let me take another look at this, and sometimes they come back. In fact, most typically when you're not panic-stricken by that situation, there is a reconciliation that can occur. Everything that's within you says, no, don't leave me. I can't stand it. I can't make it without you. And to cry, and even uh, many times I've seen I've seen marriage counseling books written by Christians that said, continue to let him come home and sleep in your bed and have the other woman too or the other man. It doesn't work. If that worked, I would say, do it. But it doesn't. It, it produces disrespect. And marriage without respect is hollow. It does not work. Faith has certainly been fundamental in your own marriage and family and part of the solutions that you offer when people uh, ask you for advice. So what do you say to women who can't get their husbands to go to church with them? Well, that that is a really big problem. And uh, you stay on your knees for one thing. Let me tell you about my grandmother. She had six children and her husband was not a believer. He was a moral man. But he said to her, I want nothing to do with the church. I've seen hypocrisy there, and I don't believe what they believe. You go ahead. I give you permission to raise those kids as you want. Teach them your faith, but don't get me into it. You know, there's another love must be tough moment because she could whine and beg and plead, uh, but she would be better off to do what my grandmother did. She, she fasted and prayed for him for 40 years, 40 years, prayed that the Lord would get to him. And when he was 69 years old, he had a terrible stroke and then another one. And he was upstairs in his bed and 
his daughter was there arranging his medications and taking care of him. And she looked at him and he was crying. And nobody had ever seen this. He was 6'5". Nobody had ever seen him cry before. And she went over to him and said, Daddy, what's wrong? And he said, Honey, go get your mother. My little grandmother ran up the stairs and knelt by his bedside. And he said, I know I'm going to die. And I'm not afraid of death, but it is so dark. Would you pray for me? She had been asking him to pray for her for 40 long years, and she prayed for him, and he prayed the sinner's prayer, and he died two weeks later with a testimony on his lips. It doesn't always work that way. It's always different with every person, but you stay on your knees and ask the Lord for a miracle. I've seen it. It's happened in our family. The ultimate thing is that you, you win them to Christ, you know. Uh, this There's a scripture in, in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, 7, that says, if your husband would leave, remember, let him go. That's love must be tough. If he would leave, let him go. Um, your best chance to hold on to him and bring him back is to do what the scripture says, let him go. But don't scream and yell at him and start a fight and make life miserable at home. That doesn't work. I'm Maria Morgan. You're listening to Closer Look. With us is the legendary Dr. James Dobson. He left Focus on the Family a few years ago, but he continues his work through his weekly family talk radio show. Dr. Dobson, um, I've heard the number one factor for good parenting is taking care of your marriage which sometimes means putting your marriage before your children. Is that true? I would hope that it doesn't come to a choice between the two. You know, it is true that you can't give your children such a priority that you don't meet each other's needs. But you do have to take care of the children, too. And uh, I think if you love each other, you will show that love to one another and show it to the children. The best thing that can happen to them is to see a man love his wife. You know, and I tell you, I am so extremely blessed in that regard because my wife, Shirley, and I have been married for 57 years, and she has honored me in front of those kids every step of the way. Whenever she's spoken of me, it's been with a certain reverence that I haven't deserved. And I hope that I have done the same for her because that's the modeling that your children need. If you guys are in each other's face all the time and you're fighting and fussing, and uh, the kids pick that up and they pass it on when they get into their own marital or romantic relationship. Um, but uh, do both of them. And in doing the first, you also do the second. Now, you've revised and updated your classic books, Dare to Discipline and The Strong-Willed Child. How are they different from the first editions? Well, that's a really interesting question. I start with Dare to Discipline because I wrote that in the late 60s. I started in 1969. In 1970, it came out. The late 60s were tumultuous. I mean, in 1967, the cover of Time magazine said, God is dead. 
or I think it said, is God dead? Uh, and the drug problem was everywhere, and authority was questioned, every form of authority. And Dare to Discipline, as originally written, was designed to address that. It is a book about authority and what happens when you lose it in a culture. It was not really a how-to book on discipline, uh, but it had a lot of that in it. But then uh, the culture changed, and 20 years later, I went in and rewrote it as a book on discipline and how to raise children, how to deal with anger in a child, how to deal with disobedience. And what about the strong-willed child? Strong-willed child uh, is just a better uh, right of the same subject that when I was in graduate school, my PhD is in child development, uh, I was taught inaccurately that children are born as a blank slate. They come into the world without goodness or evil. They come into the world and you stamp your personalities on them and so on. That's simply not true. Children are born with a temperament of their own. I mean, how silly to think that every snowflake that falls is unique. Every grain of sand is unique. But children are kind of rubber stamped and they come out as blank slates, baloney. Uh, Some of them have really tough wills. Some of them are determined to take you on at every turn. I've had probably a thousand parents who've asked me, uh, I've got three kids, how come they're... Not to say I raised them the same. No, they're different kids. They were born different. And uh, every mother who's held more than one child knows that this one's different from that one. You know, and I don't know why the experts didn't figure that out for a long time. I think they now know it. But at that time, it was just uh, sort of this notion that children kind of go along with what is stamped into their minds. I found out when my little girl was three years of of age, something was going on in that kid that I didn't put there. She had a mind of her own, and she is the inspiration for the strong-willed child. Um, She is now grown and is the sweetest individual you'll ever meet. She just gives to people. She loves people. And who would have thought that would have come from this kid? who wanted to fight, but she did. And probably most parents have one or two or three that are just full of big vigor and they want to take you on. And sometimes it's that very strong will that helps a child say no to drugs or avoid uh, other risky behaviors in general. I am absolutely convinced that the strong will child is much, much harder to raise. Frustrates the daylights out of parents but that that child has a better chance to make it in life. I think in some ways the strong-willed child uh, is in less jeopardy than the compliant child. But you know what? The compliant child will eventually challenge you too. It may be late after high school when uh, when he lives together with somebody. You know, that compliant nature leads to a different kind of problem. Satan's got a plan for all of them, and you have to get behind the eyes of the child and see what he sees and feel what he feels, and then you know how to respond. 
because with a compliant child, you don't necessarily see it coming. Uh, that strong one can uh, be distracting. Now, what about your book, Bringing Up Boys? What's your top one or two bites of wisdom for raising boys? Well, um, Bringing Up Boys uh, is a book that tries to make the case, which is absolutely true. Anybody wants to argue with me, they can do it. But I'm telling you, boys and girls are different. The radical feminist movement will tell you that the only differences between boys and girls is the reproductive apparatus and the way uh, they respond to uh, people and so on. They, they blame it all, on, frankly, on a patriarchal society. Men are macho and they take these little boys and they make them macho, but they're different. They are made differently, and you better understand that. If you want to raise them properly, you have to comprehend that girls and boys come from a different part of the universe, and you'd, you'd be wise to figure that out. So uh, bringing up boys attempts to explain how they are different, and uh, I think it does it pretty effectively. And what about girls? Do you have certain suggestions for bringing up girls? Well, it's really the same answer. Uh, girls have emotional needs that are not typical of boys. Uh, you, you know, I remember uh, saying in the book that a, a mother can put a load of laundry at the top of the stairs. A boy will leave it there for six months without ever thinking to take it downstairs. Uh, I think uh, girls are usually easier to raise, but they can also be tough too. They can be catty. And there's something called a mother-daughter thing. Believe me, that is real. You get two women in the kitchen, it doesn't matter that they're in different generations. Somebody's going to fuss at the other one. So it is a matter of understanding how they're different. Uh, I, I tell you what, I love little girls. I've got one, and I told you that she has become the joy of my life. And my son, too, but for totally different reasons. So I would imagine that all of your books, thousands and thousands of pages and stories, suggestions, wisdom, advice, basically your entire career, I would assume it's available um, not only old school, but also in electronic digital form. Yes. Uh, you know, in uh, 43 years of publishing and writing, I've done uh, about 8,000 uh, radio programs, and all of that's on tape. I think closer to 35 books now, and uh, many, many articles and letters and uh, different things that I've tried to create. All of that is still exists, and all of that is what's called intellectual property. And so we have digitalized every bit of that. Uh, now, 42 years has been digitalized, and it is all accessible uh, to parents so that you can uh, pick up a smartphone and ask a question, and it will give you whatever answer I have written uh, in that period of time. So that is all part of the, the digital age and uh, we're rather excited about it because, you know, I'm, the Lord's going to take me to heaven one of these days, and I don't want all that work to go to waste. So it is now available 
through the internet, you can go to whatever I've dealt with, which is a lot of stuff. Yep, you've likely seen and heard it all. I'm Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. Our guest is the one and only Dr. James Dobson. He first hit the airwaves as part of Focus on the Family, but more recently he broadcasts on his radio label, Family Talk. Um, When you first started, we'd never heard of school shootings. What cultural shifts have you observed that could even begin to explain what's going on? It doesn't take any kind of of abnormal insight to recognize that we have become far, far more violent. Uh, I left USC School of Medicine in order to try to make a difference in the culture, Uh, but we've lost ground since then. I wish I could say I was able to change a lot of things. We saved some and we accomplished some things, but the world continues to deteriorate and conflicts between people, the conflicts within marriage, uh, it's not just violence, but just, uh, I mean, it's just wanton evil that is going on around us at this time. And there is only one thing that's going to save us, and that is a spiritual renewal revival, used to be called. And we're praying for that, and uh, that the Lord will sweep across this nation and around the world uh, with a, uh, a newness of heart. And that only is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. The violence against other people has certainly increased, but we also see that violence against self is on the rise. In 2017, the suicide rate in the United States hit a 30-year high. A lot of those were children under the age of 17. What do you see as the primary problem? Well, first of all, I I question the statement. It's not a 30-year high. It has never, ever been as high as it is now, certainly not in this country. And uh, in in most other countries, uh, it's just rampant at this time. And uh, there are a lot of causes for it, but I think one of them is the drug phenomenon that messes up the mind. And so many kids, uh, when they're just too young to be doing stuff like that, find themselves taking uh, drugs that if it doesn't kill them, it changes them. And I think that's got a lot to do with it. I think uh, the um, lack of an understanding of who we are as people, when you think about it in public schools today, kids are taught that they come from nothing. There is no design. There is no designer. There's no plan. There are no answers to the ontological questions like, who am I and why am I here and what am I supposed to do? What does the future hold and is there life after death? And if so, uh, who's responsible for it? Are there certain rules that we should follow? Is there a God? You know, those questions give identity and meaning to an individual. And when you came from, uh, you know, some one-celled animal in the the ocean, there's no meaning in that. Uh, I wrote a book for those between 16 and 26. It was called Life on the Edge. It's still out there. Um, But in it, uh, we did um, focus groups to see where those that age were coming from and what mattered to them most. You know what the number one thing 
they said to us is, these are now millennials. The number one thing they said is, life has no meaning. When there is no God who loves me, who cares for me, who forgives my sin, when we're going to be put in the ground eventually and never be heard from again, that there is no eternal life, why wouldn't kids be depressed? Why wouldn't they wonder, is all this worth it? I think that has a lot to do with the confusion that's out there today. Dr. Dobson, do you plan to write a memoir? It's already been written. Uh, this man named Dale Buss, uh, who was with Wall Street Journal, uh, wrote a book called Family Man. And up to that time, he covered pretty well the things that I've tried to do and the things I've said and what we've done. Uh, I think uh, I'm far too young to go write a memoir. That's sort of a joke, by the way. Uh, Now, what do you want us to know about your daily radio program? That's a great question. The Family Talk uh, is now heard across the United States, and it's growing and good things are happening there. I'm, I'm really trying to do the same thing I did at Focus on the Family uh, before leaving there. It uh, involves marriage and parenthood and um, finances and health. And it's really very interesting, I think, because every day it's something different. We don't ever go more than two days on the same subject or rarely. Tune us in. Tunis and you can get it, you know, if it's not available on the radio, it's available in an app. It not only tells today's program, which you can listen to on a smartphone, uh, but uh, it has the archives of all the programs we've done. You can just look through there and see the issue that's troubling you or bothering you or you want to make different or you want to know more, and you can find it right there. I think uh, that's one of the most fun things I've done in my life. How can people reach you? You mentioned the Internet. I know people have questions for you. Well, you can reach us at drjamesdobson.org, or you can reach us on Facebook at Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. And just one more question, if I could, before we wrap up. Tell us about your service on the Spiritual Advisory Group for the White House. Uh, that's been in the news quite a bit. Uh, there are about 28 or 29 of us who are in the religious community. Uh, they are all, I believe I can say, evangelical uh, in their belief system. And I'm one of those. And uh, we go to the White House fairly regularly uh, to make uh, suggestions and uh, it, it goes all the way back to before Donald Trump was uh, elected. He brought us all together, and uh, I think there were 30-something uh, people there on that day, and we, we offered advice to him. Uh, I am the honorary chairman of the executive committee of that group, and so uh, it's an honor and a lot of, a lot of pleasure. My wife, Shirley, was chairman of the National Day of Prayer for 25 years. And uh, that was, a, a, I think she did an absolutely wonderful job. She is now retired from that. But the uh, White House continues to honor the National Day of Prayer uh, every year. 
when you get discouraged about our nation, just remember there are an awful lot of people that are calling on the Lord and asking for his blessings and his help. If I veer from that, what do I have to offer? My puny ideas, it's all in the scripture. You'll find the answers there. Special thanks to our guest on Closer Look today, Dr. James Dobson. So grateful for his time. Thank you for having me. And again, if you'd like to hear more from Dr. Dobson on Family Talk Radio or to access the Dobson Digital Library, you can visit them online at Dr. That's Dr. James Dobson.org. This has been K Love Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.